Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Case for Safety podcast. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really excited for today's show where we're going to be talking about the impact of safety on all aspects of your organization and how safety success is business success. And uh, joining me today is someone who knows a great deal about that subject, and I'm very happy to welcome back to the show, James Beretti, president of Beretti Incorporated. James, welcome back. Great to be talking with you. Hey, Scott, thank you very much. Glad to be back here and look forward to this conversation we're going to have. Me as well. I know this is something that really, you know, all safety professionals are are faced with demonstrating the business impact of safety and, you know, how it affects so many other elements of the organization. And so I thought we could start by talking about, you know, how safety can impact those aspects of your business, whether it's operations, production, human resources, culture, you know, all, all across the organization. Oh, definitely, definitely not a problem. And I know this is an area that a lot of safety professionals struggle with a little bit because it seems kind of intuitive that safety would be something that all businesses would want to do and undertake. And, you know, everything would be the quote unquote safety first, which I think we've all learned is that when you see that there, it's kind of a red flag. Unless you can define what that safety first really looks like, you really don't know whether or not somebody is truly looking out for safety from that standpoint. And there's a lot of case studies that have been done that show that safety really does have a positive improvement for a business and really can positively affect operations, human resources, production, and of course, set a very nice culture into place. You know, safety is a good foundational tool to be able to have that go there. So safety really does look at it from the standpoint of, you know, what's proficiency that can be added into the organization itself? Where's the efficiency gain that can be made, and how does that truly impact productivity from a positive standpoint? And a lot of times, the arguments that come up tend to be something along the lines of, well, you know, if I put this kind of money in here, it slows down my productivity. There's a lot of different things that go on. But, you know, little things like time on task studies, which come out of efficiency studies and human factors engineering that's been around in business for a long, long time that can actually help you as a safety professional where you can look at a process and look at the hazards within that process and figure out different ways to mitigate those hazards or eliminate them in the first place. And by doing that, you're actually having a positive impact on the operation, the tasks and everything that are going on there. And you, by eliminating those things, you might be also eliminating the number of touches that go on. So if you're eliminating the number of touches, that means you're also reducing down the cost of the manufacturing process or the cost of the field gathering process if it's in agriculture or the processing process if it's in agricultural food processing or even in the construction process where you're eliminating the amount of waste, the amount of material, and the number of uh, kind of touches that you would have as you're constructing the structure and doing whatever it is to that. So there's a lot of different things that can be uh, gained from that. So yeah, I mean, people like working in a safe environment too. Talent has changed, what they're looking for with regard to an organization with which to work. And essentially, they really want to work in a safe organization. Whereas in the past, where, you know, all the years of experience I've had, Scott, you know, the days of the dinosaur, I think I'm finally starting to reach. (laughs) But anyway, uh, with regard to that, you know, certainly back in those days, uh, people would come to a job and then they would try to figure out the safe way of making that happen so they wouldn't get hurt and kind of the ownership was on the employee. 
as time has gone on, that's really shifted. It's really more of the process. And it's more of the process that's set in place that aligns with the business process, aligns with the productivity, aligns with what the business is really in business trying to do. Because certainly the business and the organization is not there for safety itself. They need to have it as safety as part of what they do to make it more efficient, more productive, and retain good talent that comes in. And you're investing a lot into the skills people have, the knowledge people have. And of course, if the system is really good and it promotes that kind of thing, safety becomes a natural part of it. And that's where the safety professional is really valued. Right. And thinking about the safety professional's role in this process and you know, integrating safety into all these other elements, how can safety professionals best demonstrate that importance of safety to their organizations, to their executives, to, you know, to the other departments and, you know, how it's impacting all of those other aspects of the business? Okay. So, you know, first, right off the bat, I would show aligning what they do as helping the business, not just from a compliance standpoint. I mean, regulatory risk is certainly a, a valuable thing for all organizations but they don't exist because of regulatory risk. Regulatory risk tends to put you know, boundaries and guidelines so that it creates a quote unquote fair playing field for all businesses across the sector. Rather, what happens here is you have to look at how what you're doing really does contribute to the function of that business, that performance. And while we deal in the technical world as safety professionals, with a lot of you know, expertise and knowledge and all the things that come into play for that, it's how we deploy that technical knowledge and how we solve those problems that seek to really add to the efficiency, add to the productivity, add to the betterment of the business operation itself. So again, if I take into consideration a time on task type of operation and say we've got a situation where Maybe there's safeguarding that's missing because people feel they can actually be more productive and meet the production goals that their supervisor has set for them. You know, by bypassing that guard, what happens is, is by looking at why that guard needs to be bypassed, you're looking at it from the standpoint that you're trying to interject a human into the mechanical operation or the machine operation here. And by doing that, you're now creating a risk. And you're also dedicating a human resource that you're paying whose skills are probably better suited to making sure the machine runs properly and really overseeing the process to now having to operate in lieu of that machine in a dangerous situation. So right there, I'm now reframing that safety hazard into a business performance issue. And that business performance issue is the equipment. Why is the equipment not operating in the way that it should be for productivity? And now I have to pay a human to not only interact with that, but interact with that in a very risky situation. So if that's the case, I need to really find out what's going on here. Why is it that that guarding and that machine or that equipment can't operate properly for what needs to be done for the productivity? And that gets people starting to look at what's wrong with the equipment, what's wrong with this process and the job. You know, is this the right equipment for the job? Do we have the right training in place? Are our production, you know, demands too much for the process we've set in place? What do we need to do to change that and become better at what we do? Reorient that human skill so that it's not dealing with that hazard and the risk involved with it. And that's measurable. 
you can actually measure that in terms of time on task. You can measure it by the output of the productivity. You know, you can look at it from that standpoint. The problem is, is in business, a lot of people are running, you know, at breakneck speed and they want to fix the problem from the standpoint of, well, we're going to discipline somebody. It's the employee's fault when in fact, it's really more of a holistic approach that's going on here. Really, as a business, you should be looking at that operation going, okay, we have a problem here. We need to solve that problem. Let's get employees involved with that, but let's get our engineers, our production engineers, our business engineers, those people who figure these things out as to how this process is going to work in the first place, and let's get them involved in this so we solve it by eliminating that risk. And by doing that, guess what? I've improved my productivity, and I've also improved the process within the business itself. Therefore, I should have a performance expectation on the other end that we see less error, we see greater productivity, things are running more smoothly and efficiently, and therefore we're moving on to the next tackle, the next deal. And that's one less thing we have to worry about, but we know why we're being better at our business performance. I'm glad you talked about productivity there, because I know that's such an important part of this equation. And we'll 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 talk about that more in a little bit. But working from there, you know, you're communicating, collaborating with, with other departments about the role of safety in all of these processes and procedures and tasks. So taking that next step, you know, how can safety professionals then integrate safety practices into these other business practices? Oh, wow. Gosh, there are many different ways you could do that. And I'll tell you what, I could probably do an eight-hour course on that alone. Um, and I probably know several individuals could probably stretch that out over a whole semester for a, a university. But nonetheless, the big deal with that on integration is really looking at how the operation runs. So I'll give you a simple, quick example. You know, working with a retail organization many years ago, one of the things I noticed was that they always did a QA check you know, for the customer perspective, if you will, before they opened the doors. Even while the doors were open, they were still going around taking a look at things just to make sure everything was pleasing. In other words, on retail, you know, when you're first coming in, you want to feel that that kind of like, oh, this is a cool place to be. It makes me want to, you know, get further in and see what else they have to offer. And it's very inviting to the customer. So there are a number of different metrics that are done to figure that out with regard from a marketing research perspective to draw people in. Well, while you're doing these kinds of checks, you can also, because there's kind of this underlying understanding, but you can also do the safety component along with that. So why would you end up then doing a separate safety you know, inspection, for lack of a better word, when you might as well tag you know, the items that really fall within what would work well for the QA kind of standpoint, and be able to go through the store or go through that space and look at it from a safety perspective, because you're also not only looking at it from a customer, you know, acceptance and pleasing, you know, experience that they're having. So they want to come back. You're looking at it from customer safety standpoint, which in many times goes hand in hand with occupational safety. Now you might have to add a couple of items. You might have to train the people a little bit more for what they're looking for. But that integrates safety within, and you're now doing a check maybe not just once a day or once a week. You're doing a check on a regular basis throughout the day, and that is also helping the employee because, you know, let's face it, what kind of customers really want to come into an organization where you see an employee fall off a ladder while they're trying to stock material and any kind of product? 
you know, it's not usually a good experience and people don't leave necessarily with a good experience. And in fact, they start asking, you know, what kind of a place is this, you know, if they're doing that, but you're getting that also, you know, as part of what the business is doing. Now your safety inspection can be done, you know, once a week, once quarterly, once a month, whatever the real good cadence is to just check to be sure that all the things, all the details are being handled. And that then can cycle into, okay, if we're missing certain areas, do we have a training issue? Do we have a time issue? Do we have a tool issue? You know, do we need to make that change so we tweak it so those things are caught on a regular basis? And I can tell you, you know, at least in my experience of working with an organization like that, we have seen a lot of, you know, injuries reduce. Um, we saw a lot of acceptance of safety as a metric that was done because that's one of the things that was a hot button. So if you're wanting to integrate safety within to the organization, what you really need to know and understand is what does the organization measure that leads into its performance metrics? So in this case, and again, it's only the retail industry, all industries have these hot button metrics that feed into the overall business performance that you can integrate a safety activity within that serves a very powerful function. And it can be measured right with, not alongside, not separate from, but it's right with the contribution of the business performance alongside it. So, well, not alongside it, but within it. Hopefully that's a good illustration. I wanted to use something simple. I mean, there's a lot of different other things I've experienced that, you know, show waste and all those things that maybe we can talk about as we get further that also are great opportunities to integrate safety for the safety professional. Definitely. And going back to productivity, you mentioned some examples that, you know, whether it's machine guarding in an industrial environment, whatever it might be, you know, how can recognizing you know, those, those safety challenges help improve production? Oh my, oh wow. There's a number of different ways. I hate to say it, but I'll probably go back to the time on task type of thing where we were able to take a look at a situation for a change out in a food processing facility. And again, I know I'm using this kind of locked in, you know, structured type of situation, but I've seen it also in construction where we've been able to do that. And in fact, why don't we use the construction as an example? So people can realize that, you know what, it's not just, oh, gee, manufacturing is a great place to be able to do it, or processing is a great place to do it, or warehousing is a great place to do it. You can do it anywhere. You know, if you have a business process, it can be done. So as an example, in working with a home builder back in the 2000s, before that whole great recession that uh, many of us experienced at the end of the 2000s, you know, one of the things that was gaining traction was fall protection from, you know, structures and things like that. And of course, everybody was just saying, you know, hold on to the rafters, hold on, you know, to doing things. And, you know, when you're setting trusses, you know, everybody climbs all over the spider web and all that kind of stuff. So with regard to it, the hanger system, you know, was becoming kind of a new way of setting up a platform before you ever raise walls. So that way there, you had your fall protection in place as you were, you know, building the structure upward. And that would work great for, you know, setting trusses in place, uh, being able to work off the side and cut tails and, you know, put bird blocks in and all those different things. And one of the things we were able to do was take a look at, you know, a house that was typically built, you know, as much as people were saying, oh yeah, we're doing fall protection. You see the harnesses on, 
And what was happening was they weren't really attaching to anything because it gets in the way and it quote unquote slows me down. Now, if you're applying it that way, yeah, you're right. Okay. So you'd have employees, you know, grabbing onto the side of the truss and then hanging over the edge and trying to cut the tails. And people would always say, well, you know what? It's a quality issue because you could see where sometimes they were good and spot on and other times it was uneven. And of course, for someone who's buying a house, that is, uh, you know, an unsightly sore. So you're going to have to go back and make the correction. Well, the reason why this is happening is because when the person's hanging over the side and, you know, using a, a circular saw and cutting the tails, what's happening is they're also trying to brace themselves. And so when you have fall protection, it's not like a restraint process, whereas a restraint process, you get a little bit of that resistance here. The fall protection is if I slip and fall, it's catching me before I hit the next level down below if it's deployed properly. Well, if you put a hanger system into place, now you can set trusses really quick and easy. And you know what? They realized they could actually cut tails too at that point in time. And you wouldn't end up with the unevenness because people are not worried about falling. They're now more worried about the quality control of what they're doing. So we challenged two of the uh, carpenters who were working for this general contractor, the home builder, if you will, to trying this process out. And our calculation, and this is where, you know, you really got to get a little bit creative. Okay, we were able to time how long it would take to get trusses set and to be able to get the tails cut and the bird blocks in before that kind of fall exposure would disappear off of home building. And we were looking at also the number of people that were involved. And then you calculate that out by what's the average hourly rate you're paying these folks. And you get the kind of a good rough cost of what it is that it's going to take to get, you know, one home done, just setting trusses, cutting tails, putting bird blocks in place. Okay. And then you have to figure out how many homes now do you have to go back to where you set up a ladder and someone's got to go up and you're paying this people. Okay to go ahead and make the corrections so therefore it looks good and the quality is there before you can set the fascia. So you've got all this stuff into place. Well, now couple that with the cost of buying a hanger system, how long and how many people does it take to set the trusses, get the bird blocks in place, cut the tails, and then you know, you're ready to go for the next phase, you know, getting the fascia on at some point in time. Okay, and you know, what's the QA that you're gonna have to do after that? So when we did that calculation, we figured out by the time they got to building the eighth house and beyond, they were actually making money by investing and training people on how to use the hangar system. So what happened was this, the two companies doing the framing, setting the trusses, all that stuff for this, this builder said, we'd be willing to do it, but we'll invest it. We'll pay for it. But if it doesn't pay off, we want you to give us our money back for what we invested on it and we'll continue forward. The home builder said, okay, we're good for that. Now you got to remember the safety professionals involved with all aspects of this. See how you're trying to change a process to make it safer, but it also helps with the quality and you're claiming that it's going to also be more efficient by doing that. And two months later, I've got this. I have it as proof. Two months later, one of the home builders, one of the carpentry people, one of the framer groups wrote a letter to the president of that construction company of the, you know, the home builder and said, we were truly did not believe this could happen. However, we have done the numbers 
And this is the way we're going to build homes going forward. We're going to adopt this. We are able to actually increase the number of homes we can build by 30%, reduce down the quality corrections. And even while we're increasing that, that number by 30%, we don't need to hire any additional people. Our people have been trained on it. We went down that learning curve and lo and behold, we're making more money as a result of this. And now it's not me saying that, you know, it's the framing people. And so this is where, you know, safety becomes integrated into a process. Okay. And I'm telling you, this can be done not just on construction. There's opportunity everywhere. I've only used a probably what I think is a simple type of thing. You get into the commercial and industrial type of construction where it's very complex. There's a lot of different things. I mean, there's safety professionals out there who figured out ways that you can build stuff on the ground, crane it into place, and it's more productive by doing that while you've you reduced down the risk. And I'm sure a lot of them are thinking that. Today, we think of that as well, of course you would do that. Now, what you need is real estate to make that happen. And not every construction project offers that kind of opportunity to have that real estate. Well, there's probably other ways you can do this where you can get some sort of assembly into place. And therefore, when you have people at heights, you can go ahead and use the right kind of fall protection that really works well for the efficiency of the job. So all of these things are put into place by really understanding what the business measures in order to know whether or not they're on track to be able to go ahead and be productive and profit-making as a result of that. And once you figure that out, now you can start doing all your, your major issues, You know, your major challenges can now be brought into that process. And now you have to lead. And that's where leadership from safety people have to come into play. You can lead them into the ideas of, hey, facilitate those meetings of how can we change this and improve it. That home builder was actually figuring out ways that they could also shorten the time of building a home because they set it up by all incoming comes to one side of the street and all outgoing and waste goes to the other side of the street. So therefore you have a flow now in your project rather than everybody kind of going on top of each other and worrying about the debris all around the structure. So it's, you know, I, I could go on and on, Scott, I apologize. But anyway, that, that just gives you an idea, I think, of a really good detailed uh, deal. And I really don't know of any other way to be able to show that other than to write it out and show that as, you know, this is a real case study. This is real. This, this really made a difference. You know how that affected the business? Their XMOD went way down. They had 16 projects going on at the same time, all you know, separated by 120 miles. They had five injuries for not their people, none of their people were injured. That included all the trades. They actually got all trades involved and they went a whole year with five injuries. Only one required the response of first aid. And when we did the digging on that, we found out what it was and we showed them that trade, how to do a better job. So therefore they could keep safeguards in place and not have people injured. That's phenomenal. You know, you want to talk about insurance carriers, they were self-insured. There were all sorts of bonding carriers that wanted their business because, quite frankly, they weren't seeing the money go out the door. And they enjoyed a lot of great stuff as a result of that. It became very efficient, very profitable business. So just to kind of give you an idea. And I'm glad you, you t mentioned it again there. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier. Thinking about the metrics and just understanding you know, how 
all the different stakeholders, all the people you're working with are measuring success and, you know, the, the role that plays in, in all of this. Yeah, it, it really does. I absolutely agree. And that's why I always talk about alignment, being flexible. Look, we as safety professionals have a lot of great knowledge. You know, we know how things go together. We got an idea of how processes work. We just need to know how it does for our organization and start thinking about how we can be better at what we do. And when you do that, that gives you an opportunity to interject safety in. So, you know, I mean, it, 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 and that makes you more valuable to the organization. When people see you doing that, they're like, whoa, you're not here just for, because you want to make sure OSHA doesn't come through the door. Well, of course, no one wants OSHA through the door. You know, no one wants the EPA through the door. No one wants any of these people through the door. We want to do the right things, you know, and what we want is that level playing field so we can be the best at what we're doing competitively in that marketplace. We need to understand that as a group. And what we're doing really does feed into that. It's not just an issue of avoiding a fine. It's really about not just avoiding the fine, because we do want to do that. We don't want to have a bad place. We want to definitely use the regulations as the floor. You know, And yeah, you're going to get people in management who, quite frankly, don't see a value to that. That's where our leadership comes into play. That's where we have to know the facilitation. How do we plant the seeds? How do we water those seeds? How do we make that work? We can't just sit there and say, oh, these guys are, you know, these people in management, they don't care. You know, they just don't care. So I'm going to move to the next place. You're going to run into that everywhere you go with your career, period, as as a safety professional. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll share one more example. We worked with a grain company that, you know, was really experiencing a lot of injuries, a lot of turnover. You know, the work environment was very dusty. And I mean, you show me a grain company, you're going to show me some dust at some point in time. But there are a lot of techniques that can be used to, you know, reduce down the amount of dust. And of course, with grain operations, you're always concerned about, you know, that grain explosion that could occur. Now, fortunately, in the United States, you know, the regulatory landscape and the standards that are in place and that are enforced have really helped set a good floor and a good foundation to really, you know, reduce that opportunity to occur. But you still come across operations where it could. And so with this company, you know, we were noticing that. I mean, there was a lot. There was just a lot of grain. I mean, the dust was everywhere. And it's like, okay, this, this is a system out of control. You know, the more we dug, the more we found that there were even little fires that were occurring in some of the motors that were being used for, you know, elevator conveyors that were taking buckets of grain and dumping them into silos and that kind of stuff. And that's simply because the atmosphere had so much dust. It was just getting into the gears and, you know, you've got grease there that are in there and it wasn't protected by a cover. So as a result, the grease will attract that stuff and it, instead of lubricating bearings, it was actually starting to grind on bearings, which gives resistance, which leads to heat, which leads to miniature fires. So really, it's a matter of time before a dust explosion happens. So, you know, what happens is people are always, you know, well, what can we have by law? What can we do? Where is that measured? How is that measured? And quite frankly, that leads into a very frustrating argument of, I'm measuring this. This can be okay. So that's it. This is how we're going to clean it up. And this is acceptable because you said, well, you said I could do it by the corner. You said I could do it by the flat surface. You said, I mean, on and on and on. You know, the real issue is you've got an issue here where you've got a lot of grain in the air. People are breathing it. 
that's not good. You don't want to put everybody into respirators. That's also not going to be the best thing. You want to solve the problem. And one of the things that happened when I was sitting in a meeting with, uh, you know, the production manager, the maintenance manager, the vice president of the company. So it would be not just operations, but everything, HR manager and the safety manager. And I'm looking out the window and just looking at this tail of grain coming off their elevators and, you know, their uh, distributors at the top and all that kind of stuff. And he's asking us, you know, well, what is the law say about dust? You know, what does it say? And I said, you know what? I think you're really your better question is this. How much grain are you losing before you ever get a chance to sell it? I said, I'm looking out the window. And I said, look at this. I said, well, do you know what your shrinkage is? I said, because if you solve that, you're going to solve your grain dust problem too. And probably reduce down the opportunity for an explosion to occur. And the room was silent. Jaws were like, what? What are you talking about? Well, the vice president knew it immediately. He looked out the window. He goes, you know what? That's a good question. And so he then started turning to the ops and the maintenance people, you know, going, hey, do you know what our shrinkage is? And no one knew. So he commissioned a study and they came back in two weeks. They found 11% from the time they offloaded it from the car to the time where it got into the silos before it's ever mixed for feed or wherever it's going to be used for, right? They lost 11%. That, that's phenomenal. And a billion dollar business you know, doing operations in several states in the United States, you know, and reaching into Canada and all this. And they have 11% out of one facility alone, never mind the rest that are going on. And I said, you solve that problem, you know, you can tackle your grain issues, you know, your grain dust issues. Now it took time. I mean, they started looking into stuff. They did the low hanging fruit. They realized the elbows were wearing out a lot, you know, in the in the uh, shoots that were going on. And, you know, they knew that some of the um, connections were wearing out because grain is quite frankly abrasive. And so you're going to get that, you know, it depends on the metals that you're using and the thickness of those metals and that kind of stuff that you're going to end up, you know, changing out for. And they did by doing that alone, they reduced down probably that loss by about 70, 80%. Now comes your, your harder things to do. How do you recapture that dust? How do you keep that dust? How do you, you know, keep that within the process? You look at it and go, wow, you know, this is a waste. And quite frankly, if we solve this problem, we probably are well on our way to solving our grain dust issues. And that means the breathing. That means the, you know, the potential for explosion. That means all that waste, all that stuff, all being handled by improving it. And it took a safety pro to figure that out. That's why I say we're really uniquely suited to be able to help our organizations and lead them to being better, more profitable, efficient organizations themselves. Yeah, when it comes down to it, that's what this is all about. You know, safety is good business. <laughs> Anything else you'd uh, like to add? Any uh, any final thoughts? Let me just throw this here. Um, you know, I would say to people, you, you know, that are listening that, you know, realize your efforts are resolving two issues, not one. That's something I learned early on in safety. You know, yeah, compliance is a real issue, okay? I mean, we can't ignore it. I don't disagree with that. But compliance doesn't solve all our problems either. And it sometimes can become a frustrating argument. So, you know, think about this, that your organizations aren't there for safety compliance. They do need to comply, okay? Rather, you know, compliance does set that guidepost for everything to occur, and it makes for that level playing field when you're looking at it across your industry. The second reason, you know, remember, two reasons. Compliance can be one, but that second reason 
better be a business reason. You know, we've talked about a lot of different ways you can integrate processes, the ways you can integrate safety within it, how safety can make for a better work environment, a better task, a better process, you know, all those things. And figure out how to get that in there and work with people. I mean, you can't do this in a vacuum. Invite people to the table. You know, even your detractors invite them to the table. It gives you an opportunity to show how what you bring to the table is very valuable for the organization. It's valuable for that detractor. And it's a way to start changing things. So, and change doesn't happen automatically. These companies that have these challenges, that didn't happen overnight, it happened over time. And usually it happened because they were growing and they tried to grow using the same processes they had in place and just add things to them. Sometimes it needs a rethink. And that's what your executives should be thinking about. Give them the thoughts, plant the seeds, let them start thinking that way. And then over the years, you'll start to see great changes that you've done to make, you know, to change. So anyway, that would be my final thoughts. That is a great thought. And yeah, thank you so much again for coming on, Joe, and sharing such great examples. As we said at the, at the top, you know, this is a challenge that, uh, you know, every safety professional out there is faced with. So really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing these examples of, you know, how they can uh, integrate uh, safety into the business practices at their organizations. You got it. Thanks, Scott. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Case for Safety podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.